Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Cornerstone Broadcast. Now, today is uh, a pretty mellow day. It's a pretty blessed day. It's wonderful, really. Today is Good Friday. Today is the day in which we, well, honor what Jesus Christ is doing. But it, it's not necessarily a Good Friday. At least it wasn't 2,000 years ago. You see, 2,000 years ago, this man was being flogged. He was being whipped. He was being beaten. He was being mocked. He was being spat on. Anything that you could possibly think of that you would do to a criminal was being done to him now. And even so, he was hanging on a cross. An innocent man. An innocent man was dying. For crimes he didn't commit. This is what's going on 2,000 years ago, but we call it Good Friday because of just that. It is a Good Friday because of what Christ has done. He has died on the cross today 2,000 years ago. It is a very blessed thing. Now, you know I've actually had something interesting. I have, I've had a wonderful week. Uh, a troubling week, but yet a wonderful week at best. Um, I've had a couple things in which I want to go over with. One of them actually relates uh, to what we're talking about today. Uh, and, and the other element here is I've had two conversations this week alone, um, or conversations with two gentlemen. One of them just randomly came up to me. Uh, I, I don't know what prompted him, but one, one gentleman came up to me this week, and he was like, are you religious? I was like, well, um, I mean, I try to read my Bible every day, but sure. <laughs> uh, so I wasn't really sure how to respond to that. I mean, I've been there at this company six years, and this man who's been there, um, I don't know, I'd say probably about uh, four years at least, you know, he's known me that long, and he's asking me, are you religious? Um, yeah, yeah, I am, um, in the sense of how God actually, you know, planned it to be. You know, I, I want to make this clear. Uh, we say that, you know, uh, salvation or eternal life, that it's not Jesus Christ, that it's not about religion, but it's about relationship. I've shared this before, but the reality is that it is about religion just as much. And I'm not saying that we should make it a legalistic thing, but I am making, and I am making it clear. Christ never came to abolish religion. He came to abolish. He came to expose false religion. Um, and these are the things in which he has done, and these are the things in which led him to the cross. Now, um, that's just kind of a side note there, but I thought it was really interesting is because this gentleman, I thought this was a real blessing. Uh, this gentleman, he's just, you know, general conversation. I would have never thought. He, he's, he's talking about certain things within the scriptures, and I'm like, whoa, dude, that's actually, you know, I'm enjoying this conversation. And you do need to put a limit on this sometimes. Sometimes you just need to like not talk to a person. As we find out in Matthew 7, 6, you know, don't give to the don't give what is precious to the dogs. Don't give your pearls to the pigs. Do not give the gospel to somebody who's not going to hear it. That alone takes great discernment. Um, quite honestly, I don't think anybody's specifically perfected that. I know I haven't. Myself, I don't know how to shut up. In fact, I actually had somebody tell me this week uh, that I need to slow down in this podcast. This podcast we're doing right now, I need to slow down. We had a hard time keeping up. So I'm going to try to slow down uh, so that we can uh, keep up or so that this, uh, this person and others uh, may be able to keep up as well. Um, 
With that being said, uh, you know, we're getting into Slaves of Righteousness. Now, I do want to remind you guys, uh, I'm working on the, the transition, uh, the intro stuff, uh, as you have seen. But I want to remind you guys to... Um, uh, let's see here. I want to remind you to, uh, if you do, if you enjoy these broadcasts, I want to encourage you to consider becoming a financial subscriber. Uh, you know, your your support greatly helps this ministry. It helps with our licensing uh, for the programs. <clears throat> it helps with the website. It helps with resources. Um, you know, and it'll help help us in the long run to uh, help other ministries. There's uh, two of them in which we are trying our best uh, to help. Uh, one of them is located in Africa, uh, Pillars of Africa, uh, and another one is uh, local. Actually, I want to say Georgia or Florida. Uh, Leonard, he, I don't think he really knows this just yet, but he's hit the list. Um, and if we can, we would like to help him out as well, um, as well as some additionals uh, within this, uh, within the confines of this ministry. Um, uh, with that being said, uh, let's kind of get into this. I know it's kind of a rough start here. We're five minutes in. Uh, today we're talking about slaves to righteousness. This is uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 15 through 23. Now, uh, what's interesting about this is all of us are slaves, which I'll get to that here in a, here in a minute. Everybody is a slave. Um, when you read this, and we'll get into this uh, here in a minute, when you read any text within the Bible, specifically the New Testament, anything that relates to being a servant or a bond servant, this is a slave. This is not simply a servant, um, you know, that's doing their job. This is a straight up slave, somebody who's been, as we know, bought with a price. This is what Christ has done. He's bought us from the slave market of sin and he's bought us, and he's redeemed us. And these are this is it's not us, as in globally, not in the entire world, but those who are believers, those who are in the body of Christ, have been bought for that price. We are no longer slaves that are on the market. We are no longer bound by the sins and, and wrapped in chains uh, that, that Satan has put on us. But we have been released, and we are now slaves to God, because he is the one who has paid the price. He is the one who we are to be Lord under, or to, that he is Lord over us. You know, Paul begins this lesson on sanctification by arguing, which is what we're in right now, but uh, he begins this lesson on um, sanctification by arguing that in spite of their past, all whom God justified will experience a personal holiness. And we haven't gone over this yet, I don't think. We've shared it a little bit in the past. Holiness. It's the idea to be set apart. It's the idea to be different. It's not simply set apart as in, here's the world, we need to be right here. But rather, it's the idea that we have been made special. We've been unique. We have a, a, a special purpose. God's throne room is holy. God's angels are holy. God's throne itself, his kingdom is holy. He is holy. There's holy nations. There's holy people. These are special people. Not just set apart, but these are special people to God. And this is what the Christian is. Likewise, our, our, our personal experiences should lead to a more personal holiness. We should become more like God more loving everything that he loves and more hating what everything that he hates. This is exactly how we are supposed to be. 1 Corinthians 6, 
9 through 11 gives just that. He talks about all these sins in which the, the, these, uh, the people of Corinth were uh, plagued with, um, including homosexuality. Homosexuality is in there. Um, some you would argue it's not. And the only reason I'm stressing this is because of that. Um, but that's in there as well. And the interesting part about Romans 11, I'm sorry, not Romans 11, 1 Corinthians uh, 6, verse 11 says, But you are no longer this way. As referring to the drunkenness, the idolatry, the adultery, the homosexuality, any other sin in general. It says, this is no longer who you are. So there's hope. There's a way out of this. And by coming out of this, you're becoming closer in holiness with God. As well as another reference point, 1 Timothy 1, uh, 12 through 13. Now, as we get into our reading here, it's a you know, slow start here. Uh, but I had a lot I wanted to comment on. Romans 6, as I, I want you guys to open up your uh, Bibles, for those of you who are checking this out, who are watching along, open up your Bibles to this chapter, grab your notebook if you need to, um, take down some notes, whatever it is that you want to do to study this, go ahead, um, and I want you to also put down questions. Um, I'm not perfect, I don't know everything about the Bible, I know what I know, that's it, and I know what God has revealed to me. Uh, everything else is a mystery yet to be discovered. Um, so starting off here in Romans 6, 1 through 14, it says, What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, under, but under grace? By no means. Now, I want to stop right there real quick. This kind of raises a question. Um, I don't have it. Uh, yes, I do. I do have it in front of me. We have here in Romans chapter 6. Actually, you know, let me go back to that. Let me read this whole thing real quick, and then we'll go back into that. Um, are we under, we're, uh, where are we at? Uh, are we are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? He's asking the questions. Are we to sin? Should we sin because we're not under the law but we are under the grace of God? By no means. Do you not, do you not know that if you present yourselves uh, to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? Keep in mind that he's saying you're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to obedience. You're a slave to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of from, uh, from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and have been set free from sin and have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because your natural limitations, because of your natural limitations, for just as you once presented yourselves uh, members, presenting your members as slaves to impurities and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present yourselves, present your members as slaves to righteousness, which leads to sanctification. Verse 20 here, it says, For, you were one, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time? What fruit were you getting at that time? From the things of which you are now ashamed of. For the end of those things is death. That's the fruit. 
But now that you have been set free from sin and you have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification. And it ends, or and its end, the end of sanctification is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. This, my friends, is the word of God to the people of God. Now, I want to, um, I, I kind of jumped over this a little bit, but you know, we who are in the body of Christ, who have been made righteous, and by being righteous, we are holy, we are, we are beings, we have been set apart, we've been made better than we once were. We are children of God. Why are we better? Because we have eternal life. We have something we did not have at one point in time. But nevertheless, we still are, we are no longer slaves to sin, but we are slaves nonetheless. We are slaves to righteousness. We are slaves to obedience. We are slaves to God. We are slaves to Christ, our Lord. And that's what it means. And I stress this a lot because this is something that the churches today uh, appear to be lacking. I appear to be lacking in, and I'm going to get a little bit of a rap for this. I'm sure there's going to be some people who aren't too fond of, of, of this, and I say that because of something we'll, we'll get into here in a minute. Um, but one of the things that I, I meditated on quite a bit, and I continuously meditate, is um, you know one of the things I shared uh, years ago, or I've experienced years ago, is I've asked God, as I, I had a confrontation, and I asked God, I was like, hey God, I want you to teach me. And I've shared this with uh, with some of you in the past. Uh, you know, that's exactly what he did. It took me two years to actually realize it. Two years of praying this prayer, realize that he already did. I, I was I wiped everything I knew about God away, and I was willing to be relearned um, or retaught um, by God. I was like, you know, I'll, I'll re whatever the pastor says, I'll ignore it. What does your What does your word have to say? And what does this mean? And from there, you can piece together something. And it's not necessarily rejecting the pastor completely because it's good. It is good to hear from a minister because they might have some insight that you don't know of. But at the same time, you need to realize is, is your focus, is your learning from what this pastor is telling you or is your learning from what the word of God is telling you. That, my friends... That is what it means to learn from the Lord and what it means to reject others. Uh, doulos. Doulos is Greek for slave. And I bring this up because it's rather interesting. This is something I'm still... I don't really have much commentary on this uh, per se. But, uh, you know, and I want to encourage you guys to check this out. Uh, go up to John... This is where I've, I personally learned it from. John MacArthur, when you look at his stuff... Uh, servant or slave, I think it was what it's called. Um, and what does it mean to be a slave? Uh, you can look that up on his website. Just type in slave in the search or servant and slave or servant or slave. I can't remember what it was titled as. And he's got an entire sermon over the concept of what it truly means to be a slave. Uh, and there's a lot in there that I, I'm not going to be sharing with you today, but I think it's really important that you guys check that out because that's exactly who we are. We are slaves to God. As I said, I'm going to try to slow down. I'm not really doing such a great job, but um, 
As I said, you know, the slave, the, the word doulos is used over 160 times in the New Testament alone. Um, anytime, and I've already shared this, anytime the scripture speaks of being a servant or speaks, um, or a servant to the Lord, or uh, the proper translation would actually be a slave. It is never a bond servant, as some translations would have, or most translations, and it is never a servant, as most translations would have. I've learned this myself, and I'm, I'm kind of saddened to find that you've got to go even older, even further back, before King James' translation, to get a proper translation of... Uh, of the, the use of slave. It's not something we're too fond of because when you think of a slave, you think of somebody, um, you think of somebody who is, you know, most of the time, African-American, Chinese, Irish, you know, whatever that you can think of. But uh, the stereotypical idea is an African-American. You think of that being a slave and, 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 and being disrespected. It's not at all what it is. See, the Bible does, in fact, it absolutely does condone slavery. But... There is stipulations behind this. Slaves were not just random people you pick off the streets and say, hey, I need you to do my work, and I don't care what you have to say about it. You're going to do it anyways. That's not it. Slaves were captured during war times. They were captured, uh, or they were, they were captured in, in times of war um, from enemy uh, kingdoms. They were even, uh, there were some people who were hired to pay off a debt uh, that they owed uh, or the debt of another, uh, and some of them were even willing uh, servants and essentially the the context or the 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 context of slavery that is condoned that is approved of is uh, you could relate it today to employment uh, if you wish but at the same time we find this out in New Testament that there is some slavery that is not necessarily employment slaves are to be honored they're to be respected they are to be well taken care of among the Christian community there are there is no no problem with having slaves but we must understand the biblical context of what it means to be a slave as well as how to uh, care for a slave and we can think of it as a nanny or you know some some housekeeper that would be, and in the biblical context, would be a slave. Some, you know, your wife. I hate to say this. I mean, I, I'm probably going to get a rap for this sometime in the future. Your wife, you know, the one who's cooking you dinner. She's your slave. Um, your husband, the one who's mowing the yard for you. He's your slave. Um, you employers, your employees are your slaves. But to treat them with respect, this is something that we are to do. So that is something that we need to recognize, but it still needs to be known that the slave is obedient and always should be obedient to the master. Um, before we can really understand what it really means to be a slave to righteousness, we must really look at the, you know, the polar opposite of this. What does it really mean to be a slave to sin? Um, to answer this question, I, I, I kind of want to give you an illustration of what's going on. Um, I pulled a, a commentary. This is actually from, uh, I believe it is a, yes, it is a John MacArthur Romans chapter 1 through 8 commentary. Um, and I want to actually encourage you guys, check those out. They're really great resources. In fact, I'm going to eventually get the entire collection of the uh, New Testament commentary. Uh, very, very valuable stuff to have. But according to this, and this, this introduction here, uh, this is commentary over sin. And these are the, uh, the quote from John MacArthur's commentary. Sin scripture, uh, sin, um, 
in uh, sin, Scripture characterizes. Oh, I totally got those words mixed up. I don't even know what my t uh, comment or what that was. Anyways, Scripture characterizes sin and its effects in many ways. It refers to it as defiling, polluting the soul, an impure thing, venom of serpents. Even our good deeds are considered filthy rags. Now, for those of you who do not know, um, Isaiah 64, I believe it's 64, verse 6, um, these filthy rags, these are not something you're washing the floor with. This is not something you're, you're cleaning the dirt off your child's face. These filthy rags is menstrual cloth. This is basically a woman's tampon. Um, our good deeds are just about as clean as that. They are still filthy. They are still unclean according to the word of God. And Paul even considers it a defilement of the flesh and spirit. Sin is rebellious, ignoring and trampling over God's word. If sin could, it would be a murderer, because if it had its own way, sin would destroy God and his righteousness. Sin is ungrateful, refusing to acknowledge God as the source of everything good. The sinner indulges in God's gracious provisions that are all around him, but fails to give credit. And I want to stop right there. You think about that. And it, this, is, this is something we have. Every person today has a level of God's grace. And this is what's known as common grace. The very fact that you exist right now is common grace. This is something God has laid out among all people at all times. He's given life. He's given shelter. He's given homes, which is shelter. He's given families. He's given jobs. This is common grace. This is all provided according to God and only by God. But it says the sinner indulges in God's gracious provisions. In, this job, in the job he gives, the home he gives, the family he gives, the nice little Ferrari you got hanging outside, or the DeLorean with flux capacitor. These are God's provisions, especially the last one. A DeLorean with a flux capacitor, that is only by the grace of God that you will ever receive one of those. Um, all around them, you know, all these things, we fail to give credit to God. And this, my friends, is, this is ungratefulness. This is sin. This is who we are in our fallen humanity before we can even come to grace, before we can even come into salvation with God, this is who we are. We are ungrateful beings. And much less thanks God for those things. Instead, this is the ungrateful, this is sin and being ungrateful. Instead, he takes the blessings and uses them to serve self and Satan. Every sinner is like Absalom, the undisciplined son of David, who kissed his father while plotting to steal his throne. Sin is incurable. By man's own efforts and power, keep in mind, that is very important to recognize, by man's own Trying to do this alone, you are going to fail. Guaranteed. Sin, uh, sin is incurable by man's own efforts and power. You cannot cure it. You cannot run away from it. You cannot uh, be free of it. Even if fallen man wanted to rid himself of sin, he could not do it any more than the Ethiopian man could change his skin or the leopard his spots. Sin is overpowering. It is controlling. 
uh, hanging above fallen mankind like darkness over the night. It dominates the mind, Romans 1, 21. The affections, John 3, 19 through 21. And the will, Jeremiah 44, uh, 15 through 17. And I'm going to say that one more time. As I said, you know, we're trying to slow down. Sin is overpowering, hanging above fallen mankind, like a darkness over the night. It dominates the mind. It dominates the mind. And you find this in Romans 1, 21. It dominates the affections. John 3, 19 through 21, and it dominates the will. Jeremiah 44, 15 through 17. Satan, or uh, sin, also brings satanic control, and this is something I want to talk about as well after we get done with this quote here. Say, uh, it brings satanic control because every sin serves the purpose of the prince of the power of the air. Ephesians 2, 2. Every unredeemed sinner is a spiritual child of the devil. Every one of them. There is either child of the devil or there is child of God. There is no in between. If you have not been redeemed, if you have not been regenerated by the Holy Spirit, if you have not had a change in life, a change in heart, and if you do not seek after God, according to the Bible, you are simply a child of the devil. John eight forty four. The words of Jesus Christ himself. Although sin promises sanctification, or I'm sorry, although sin promises satisfaction, it instead brings misery, frustration, and hopelessness. Job uh, laments that man is born for trouble as sparks fly upward. In fact, because of sin, all of creation is subject to futility. And worst of all, Sin. Sin damns the unredeemed soul to hell. This is the end of the quote here, my friends. But I want us to I want us to take note of that. Sin itself is a very dangerous thing. And we as believers uh, should do anything we possibly can to avoid it. There was a, a, a an event, I guess is want to call it. There's an event going on. I don't even remember when it is. I think next week, uh, perhaps. There's a local Christian organization. There's a local Christian organization which is hosting, uh, I think it's a getting to know you kind of thing. Getting to know the crew of, uh, uh, of a film, I think is what it may be. I don't know much information about it. Uh, and what this is, it's called uh, The Demons Within. Uh, the description of the video or of, of this video, this project, is very limited. I do not have a lot of information, but um, it, it was very concerning me because I, I read this description. Basically, hey, someone is a part of hell, um, and there's you know the stereotypical Catholic priest is involved in this uh, this video, and um, you know as the one who you know basically cleanses the soul, you know cures the exorcism. So I don't really know anything about the video. But I did actually raise a concern, and as I asked him, I was like, you know, I'm a little curious what the plot is because this seems pretty dangerous. This isn't really godly. This isn't really something a Christian organization should be hosting willingly. Uh, no, you know, and they, they probably know more about this. Uh, and then there's a, a lady who, who got on there, and you know, she was uh, starting to rant, basically telling me to shut up, um, you know, and 
those of you who do know me, I'm a theological addict. Uh, I love this stuff, and I really do. I, I mean, I don't. Uh, it's 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 more of a concern for the spiritual well-being of the people, not the individual, but the people. That you know, my concern extends outwards to that. Um, and I, I don't necessarily throw the organization under the bus. So I want to make that perfectly clear. I doubt anybody's going to hear it, but I don't. Uh, I, I have respect for the the CEO. I think is what what they are. The the per basically the person in charge, the person who runs the joint. I have respect for them. But I also have concerns for them. Uh, and, and just as I would have concerns for anybody else, we, as believers, we cannot hide from the world. That is absolutely true. You find that in uh, Romans chapter, well, I want to say, I'm not Romans, 1 Corinthians 1, verse, chapter 5. I can't exactly give you a verse there. I believe it's in there. And what Paul is essentially saying, if you want to hide from the world, you, you, if you want to you know, be away from the world, you essentially got to be taken out of the world. My point here is by hosting certain things like this, by giving any sort of entertainment to horror movies. And now, for the record, it is absolutely not mandatory, but it is, uh, I do approve the idea that we should, as Christians, watch horror movies um, or satanic movies um, of the sorts or um, uh, movies about demons and poltergeists and exorcists not for the entertainment, because we need to recognize that this is real, but rather look at it from an educational standpoint. There's a movie on, uh, and I think I may have mentioned this in the past, it's on Pure Flix, and it, I don't know about Netflix. I know it's on Vudu because I watched it on Vudu, and I do want to purchase it uh, at some point. It is called Divination. Uh, it gives a very wonderful illustration with how the spiritual realm works. I thought that was awesome, and, and now it is actually a movie I would personally recommend people watching so that they can get a better understanding of how spiritual forces operate. So, um, to be slated, the reason I'm bringing this up here is, is you know, they were, they were actively, this person in question was, was actively um, defending this idea of hosting stuff like this, of, ho of even celebrating Halloween. You can check out, check out my response. You can check out my thoughts on this on, um, um, on our podcast uh, website. Um, and I believe the dangers of Halloween, perhaps, I don't have it up right now. If you give me a couple seconds, I will. What this is, is it was a four-part, I did a four-part uh, series over this, of the, the dangers of Halloween and why the Christian themselves uh, should not celebrate Halloween and we might mean this all in good fun which I can understand you know it's it's fun to, to just party it's fun you know have some cake have some candies dress up whatever it is you want to go with but specifically you have to look at the spiritual side of things you're right it's called Halloween in the Christian faith by the way that's what the series is called um, when we look at stuff like this when we give when we're, well, we'll use Halloween for an example um, and it's not just this it is sin in general um, you know, it, we, we need to recognize that it's more than just, it's okay to do this because I've got God on me. This is nothing. The, the spiritual, the legal implica implications on a spiritual level are very damaging. Um, I was thinking about this and I'm going to the extreme here. If we take that, if we take that, it's like, Hey, we're doing this for God. We're doing this to spread the word. I mean, I don't know what their answer is. I mean, if they're hosting this event, Absolutely. You know, do so as a means to minister. 
as a means to deliver the gospel, to speak the gospel. Don't just act the gospel, because you can't act the gospel. You can act kindly, you can show love, but you cannot deliver the gospel without words. Um, my point to this, uh, which I'm kind of straying off here, I think, I'm going on a rant. Righteousness, this is where we're supposed to be. Righteousness, grace, it is not a means to continue to delve into the world and into the pagan practices, these, these cultic ideas, um, you know, celebrating Christmas with uh, with Santa Claus and giving out you know the reindeer and the elves, all that stuff. I mean, that is pagan idolatry right there. Christmas trees, wreaths, all of it. Easter is turning into the same. It's very, very concerning to me. Very concerning to me that we allow these pagan ideas to mix in with the Christian faith. To be a slave to sin is to have it control us, no matter how little it is. If you have a lust, that's, that's sin that's controlling you. If you have alcoholic problem, that's sin that is controlling you. If you have a drug problem, that is sin that is controlling with you. If you steal, if you lie, if you commit adultery, if you speak the name of God in vain, if you mock him, that is sin controlling you. Or even so, one that I've been meditating on quite a bit these past few weeks, um, and I've kind of been promoting, is if you hide from God. If you run from His Word, or if you, you try to justify His Word with some sort of excuse that says, I can do this anyway because Jesus died for me. That is sin controlling us. It is something that is actively actively involved in our lives. It is a part of our lifestyle. And we take pleasure in the act of sin and feel no remorse, no guilt, no shame for it later. For the act that we've committed. Even if we wanted to, as our unregenerate self, the person uh, who has no control over sin, because in their wicked, unregenerate self, is sin is a part of who they are. It is the very nature, it is in this person's very nature to live in sin. And again, uh, John chapter 3, 19 through 21 is a good example of that. As reborn believers, we are free from the bondage of sin. Sin no longer has a hold over us because it is the Spirit of God that lives inside of us. And the same Spirit that gives us the power, that gives us uh, the power to stop sinning. Before we had no control, we, we couldn't do it, it's impossible. But now we have the power of God. We have the ability to control ourselves and remain pure in God's righteousness. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be perfect. In fact, we'll actually get to that next week. But I am saying we have more control than we did at one point. You know, when we... We'll use this as an example. When we host events to cultic, satanic ideas... Um, you know, such as Halloween. I want to bring that up because I was kind of in the light uh, today or, or this week. When we, we take part in certain things like this, 
Don't look at it at face value. Everything God did, there was a purpose for everything. Uh, one of the examples that was given to me, uh, which is used a lot in the world, I've noticed, uh, I've, I've noticed is, is used a lot as a justifying excuse. So Jesus Christ hangs around with sinners. That's true. That is absolutely true. He did. He did hang out with the sinners. You find that in three or four, um, I want to say three of the four Gospels. Jesus hung out with the tax collectors. But here's the kicker. And you don't find this. I think it's in Luke where you find this at. Jesus did not socialize with these people for just for no reason at all. He didn't socialize with them just to be a good friend. Jesus Christ socialized with these people. He, he accepted the invite of, the, of Levi, otherwise known as Matthew, the tax collector to his home because Matthew had absolutely no other friends or no other good friends, reputable friends. His friends were prostitutes, thieves, ta other tax collectors. These were his people. These were the, the most vile of this culture was the only people that he could associate himself with because nobody else would, would even consider him existing. They had so much little respect for him. But Jesus hangs out with these tax collectors, not just to socialize, but to be, you know, to come to the sick. In fact, I, I want to say it was Luke in which he says that, you know, I haven't come for the righteous. This is this very same account. I haven't come for the righteous, but I've come for the sick. He's come to be a doctor. He's come to be a healer to the sick. He's come to be uh, a helper to the helpless. A father to the fatherless. He's come to them to give them a choice, specifically focusing on the sickness. He says, you have a disease. And if left untreated, you'll be condemned to hell. But I've provided a way out. And my way out is to love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, which is the first and the greatest commandment. It's not just love as in honoring him with respect. It's not just love as in, uh, you know, recognizing who he is. It's not just loving God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul by loving your neighbor as yourself. Which we'll get into that at another point. But the point here is we are to love God so much. Our love for God by comparison should look like hatred to the world and the world's system, and the world's ideas, and the world's sin. I'm not telling you to go Westboro Baptist. I stress that out so much. But we, as believers, should desire to live in a holy lifestyle that is, that is honorable to God, and that it is something that He would approve of. We can't just go out into this uh, this, this world and, and, and socialize with you know go out and you know have a good time, get drunk, and not do anything about it. I'm not saying we should get drunk. In fact, I'm not really one for alcohol, but I think it's really important when we act. We need to we need to ask the question why, because Christ Himself, when He hung around with the tax collectors, when He hung around with these sinners, the why, what the, what the reason why was to deliver the gospel by word. Not simply by shaking their hand or giving them a hug or said, let's have an eat, but to deliver the message. says, I am the Messiah. I've come to save you from your sins. I ask that you turn from your sins. He did that on many, many occasions. 
he, he confronted sins where they were, you know, the uh, Samaritan woman at the well. And, you know, you have five husbands and the man you're with, you're not even married to. He did that to the rich young ruler. He exposed him. He says, you know, you, 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 you do not love as you say you do. He did it to the Pharisees. The seven woes to the Pharisees is a, is a prime example of that. He said, don't, you know, these, these people, these are brood of vipers. He's very clear to recognize the sins. Kind of drifted off course there. Um, but the reason, and I'm, again, I'm not saying we should hide from the world. But when we need to first ask the question, why? Why are we doing this? Are we going to give the message? Of, are we going to give, speak the gospel to somebody right now? And, and by, you know, my friends, we have people who say, it's like, we need to do it. We need to, we need to earn their trust before, they were, before we even deliver the gospel. That is, a, that is a lie. That is a lie. That is good. That is, that is a good idea. Absolutely. And if you can, do it. But don't consider that to be your prime act, your, your, your number one action. Because you don't know if you're going to see them tomorrow. You don't know if they're going to go home and, and, and drug themselves up with a needle. You don't know if they're going to get hit by a car. And you failed to deliver the message of God. You failed to tell them that, that Christ died on the cross for their sins. And if they repent, then they will be saved. We are to be obedient slaves to the one whom we obey. The one we claim to obey is Christ. What fruits will we have by entertaining the world? The fruits we will have is death. And these are the things in which we are now ashamed of, now that we've been brought into the light. But to be slaves of righteousness. The short way that I can put this is simply doing what God is asking us to do. In full. In full. I mean, i, I got to stress that enough because uh, I've seen this, uh, and this is myself included. I see this everywhere, and it disgusts me. On a spiritual level, it disgusts me that we have half-active Christians. It disgusts me that even in myself, that I find commands that I've fallen and failed to obey. Because in that, there's evidence of filth of sin, and I, I'm, I'm disgusted by it. And I hope to one day to accomplish whatever God is asking me that I am failing to do right now. When we come into salvation, are we free? Why are we still considered slaves? As I said, you know, technically everybody's a slave. Everybody that's ever existed and ever will exist is a slave. And we find here we are no longer a slave to sin and its powers. We are free from that. But we are, we are still slaves to God and his glory. Now that we are slaves to righteousness, we as children... We as children who have been born by the Spirit of God. We have the power of God, and we can't control it. I want to make that perfectly clear. We, need, we cannot control the power of God. He does it when He wants to do it. 
but we, through that power, we are to live as a holy people. We are to recognize our sin, our sin, and others. Uh, I, I have to make that perfectly clear. We are to recognize others' sins, and it's not to go Bro, uh, Westboro Baptist. I'm making that perfectly clear. But Matthew chapter 7 is a good example, 1 through 6, specifically 1 through 5. Before you get the splinter out of your friend's eye, get the plank out of your own. So we need to recognize the dangers that is happening by having this sin involved in our lives. And then that very same sin that somebody else is having is causing less harm to us than the plank is. So if we can get the plank out first, then we will see clear. We will be free from that. And we will be able to say, it's like, hey, you know, I know what you're going through. I can tell you it's not pretty. It's not good. In fact, it's leading down a road to darkness, to decay, to death. Not just a physical, but a spiritual death as well. And if we can overcome the obstacle of our sin, then we can better help somebody else with their sin of the same manner. And in our human ability, do whatever we possibly can to avoid it. Because by falling in this, this is causing more damage. Honestly, you know, by, by saying it's okay, God will forgive me, I'm not perfect... You're right, you're not. But you need to continuously strive for that. But if you simply recognize you're not perfect, and there's a balance there, we'll get into it another time, because we're never going to be perfect. That, that needs to be stressed out, but we need to continuously be pressing for that. We need to look at the outcome. If we take part into a sin, what's going to happen? I shared this last week. What's going to happen if somebody sees us committing a certain sin? What are they going to think? Are they going to think it's okay? In fact, Paul uh, shares that. I want to say uh, I want to say it's in Second Corinthians. Maybe is he's talking he's talking about meat sacrifice to idols. People, you know, the Christians were eating uh, this sacrifice meat. But he says, you know, if it causes somebody to stumble, causes somebody to sin, that is, if a younger brother or or sister in the body of Christ, a baby believer, a baby Christian, sees us committing a certain act that we know by or by uh, completely is uh, is, is okay because it is through Christ. And it's not everything. I'm making this perfectly clear. Not everything is okay. Um, not everything is okay to do. But, you know, using this principle that, that Paul shares with eating the meat, he knows that it comes from God. He knows that it is God who provides this. And when he's eating this, he's recognizing, thank you, Father, for what you've provided. He's not giving, uh, giving honor to these false idols. But what he shares there is this principle to this is if a younger brother or sister sees you doing this, they're going to naturally assume it's okay to give honor to these false idols because Jesus Christ died for me. And as long as I recognize that, then I can continue to live my life and I can, I can worship these false idols, whatever they may be. But Paul is saying no. He says, if it were up to me, you know, if, 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 you know for their sake, I will never eat meat again. He's not saying you don't have to eat it, but he's saying in there, in in when they see this, they may see that it's okay. And if that's the case, it is better to abstain from it altogether. And there are some things in this world that we should, for the sake of other believers. Now these notes were actually cut a little short, and I kind of ranted on a little bit more. Uh, and it's actually a good thing because we're running up here on an hour. But um, I want to encourage you guys to take a study. Uh, my notes were actually cut short because uh, some other stuff I was working on. 
that uh, we're going to be going over with tomorrow. Um, but I want to encourage you guys to check that out. Um, even, you know, go with John MacArthur. Check out some of his stuff. I love his work, and I will I will promote that. I will, you know, say, if you don't want to listen to me, listen to John MacArthur. Do that. I, I, I strongly advise you to do that. Not that if you don't get something out of this, you'll get something from him. Um, he's kind of my teacher, so to speak. But... Um, with that being said, I, I want to encourage you guys to, to continue your study in, in Romans chapter 6, verse 15 through 23. We didn't get to go through it all. I don't think we did anyways. Um, but check that out. Check that out when you get a chance. Uh, tomorrow we'll be going over, uh, which I'm actually going to leave that to myself right now. Um, I hope you guys do enjoy these broadcasts. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, whatever it is that you have, feel free to throw them at me. Uh, put them in the comments, send an email, send a text message, whatever it is that you have. I'd uh, love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, and again, you know, please consider becoming a financial subscriber to this ministry. Your financial contribution will help this ministry grow. It'll help with the licensing and everything that I've already shared. And it'll help to reach uh, further goals. Uh, there's actually a lot more that we'd like to cover. Um, and again, for those of you who do uh, partner with us of a $10 per or more, uh, we'll be sending you a notebook and a very lovely pen. I'm tickled by it myself. Uh, and I also need to work on getting some of these commentary, these notes, uh, put up in a PDF format for those who are uh, subscribing as well. A little, uh, little insight uh, to the helpers. So with that being said, I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. And until tomorrow, God bless.